Hey, good morning. My name is Eric. I get to be the pastor here. I just want to say welcome. We're so glad that you are here. So we are part of a bunch of other churches around the country that are doing uh, this kind of series in the month of November called Be Rich, where we are saying, how can we bless our community? How can we love them? How can we give? How can we serve? So that's what that video is all about, is that we are not alone. We get to be a part of a global movement of churches that are, are making a difference. And so that's what our focus has been this month. Um, so we're going to dive in today as, as we get going. Um, so a couple years ago, about two years ago, Kristen wanted to buy a new bed for our daughter, Rebecca. She was five years old and transitioning out of, you know, like a toddler bed. And so she found one of those lofted Ikea beds. Have you seen those beds? And she's like, well, this would be a great thing. And instead of buying one new, we'll find one used on Facebook Marketplace. So she found a bed uh, of actually an old college friend uh, on Facebook Marketplace, this Ikea bed. And it's like, wow, this picture looks really amazing. And what we didn't realize, though, is that we'd have to take it apart into little tiny pieces to get it out of this other lady's apartment and then into our house. And once we took it apart and got it into pieces into our house, uh, if you don't know, I'm not super handy. I'm not handy at all. And so looking down at this pile of pieces going like, this doesn't look anything like the picture you showed me. Fortunately, I have great men in my life, Tim, Marcus, and some others who helped us put it together and still it never quite looked like the picture. Um, and so finally, we sold it to someone else. Uh, praise the Lord, and it's out of my house. But have you ever gotten that, that place in your life where you realize you have some, some, a picture of something that's gonna look like? And then when you see kind of the pieces of it, it's not what that picture looks like. So what do you do when the pieces don't look like the picture? When the process doesn't look like the promise? When you're holding the pieces in your hand, trying to build a piece of Ikea furniture with your spouse, and you're yelling at the top of your lungs, and you need marital counseling, right? I mean, that's what you should do before premarital counseling. If you're dating, go to Ikea, if you can survive that process, and then put some furniture together without yelling. Yeah, that's, that's good for, uh, for marriage. But life is a lot like that, right? Like we have this, this picture of what our life is gonna look like and then the pieces don't always add up to the picture. Whether that's marriage or parenting or pastoring or adulting, it's like this is not what I pictured it was gonna be like. But then God told me that maybe, maybe things are in pieces on purpose. Maybe things are in pieces on purpose. We, we, we look at the Old Testament, we see Abraham and it's like, he goes outside with God to a tent, and God says, Abraham, can you count the stars? As many stars as there are, that's how many your descendants are going to be. And yet Abraham's an old man with a barren wife, and it's like, God, how is this promise going to happen? I think first year marriage is all like this. You have a picture going in of what your marriage is going to look like, but that first year is just a piece. And then year two, and then year five, and then 10, and 15. And then parenting. It's like you think you have this idea of what parenting is going to be like, and then you get into diapers and potty training and Little League baseball and dance recitals and junior high hormones and teenage drivers. And each step is just a piece of that puzzle. What I want you to see is that you can't judge a picture by just one piece. You can't judge a whole picture by just one piece. But if we get enough pieces and we have an instruction manual or a Bible, it's gonna help you know how you can make these pieces look like the picture. And God's gonna give you everything you need, but it's gonna come in pieces. And God says, this morning, bring me your pieces, and I'm gonna do something with them. 
This morning, I wanna see three things, that provision comes in pieces, purpose is revealed in pieces, and there's potential in the pieces. When I think about pieces and, and, and bringing to God what we have, I think about the, the one story that's in all four of our Gospels, uh, other than the resurrection, and it's the story of Jesus feeding the 5,000. Well, actually, we, we say that a lot, that, you know, if, you, if you've heard that, you've been around church a while, and Jesus fed the 5,000. This week, as I was looking at that, actually, Jesus doesn't feed the 5,000. The disciples feed the 5,000. Jesus does the miracle. And then Jesus empowers his disciples to be the ones to bring that miracle into the hands of hungry and hurting and needy people. And I thought, man, what a great picture for us today. That maybe we, we, we feel like we just got a little piece of something and, and we're bringing these broken pieces to Jesus. And he does the miracle. He multiplies what we can bring. He's gonna bring the provision. He's gonna show us our purpose. But then Jesus partners with us to say, you feed them. You bring them what they need. So that's what we're gonna look at today. Why don't you join me in a word of prayer and we're gonna dive into God's word. God, I thank you that you are here with us. And Lord, just wherever we're at, God, I pray that uh, we'd lean on you, that we'd trust in you. We'd let go of just what's going on this week, the good, the bad. And God, that... Uh, Everyone in here would receive from you what you need them to hear. As we look at your word, God, open our eyes and our hearts to see that you are good. We can trust you. God, that you're, you're already at work in our lives. So just give us the eyes to see how you are working. And then, God, how you want to partner with us to make a difference in this world. Amen. Luke chapter 9, verse 1. And he called, this is Jesus, the 12 together. These are his closest friends, his disciples. Uh, these are a group of, of men he invested three years of his life into. And he, and he called the 12 together and he gave them power and authority over all demons and to cure diseases. And he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal. And he said to them, take nothing on your journey, no staff, no bag, nor bread, nor money. And do not have two tunics. And whatever house you enter, stay there and from there depart. And wherever they do not receive you, when you leave that town, shake off the dust from your feet as a testimony against them. And they departed and went throughout the villages, preaching the gospel and healing everywhere. Jesus is going to send them out, give them power over spiritual demons, and give them power to heal, power to bring the gospel. And he sends them out. Verse 10, on their return, the apostles, that literally means the sent out ones, and they've been sent out by Jesus. On their return, the apostles told them all they had done. And he took them and withdrew apart to a town called Bethsaida. So the disciples, they're sent out, and they do this ministry, and then they come back. And so now Jesus is like, well done. We're going to go to Bethsaida. And Bethsaida is the town that Peter and Andrew grew up in. And so it's kind of like, we're going to go up to, you know, Peter and Andrew's cabin up north. We're going to get away. Because every time we give ministry out and we do stuff, we have to make sure we get poured back into. Otherwise, we get, we get burned out. And so after doing some ministry, they're going to go on a little retreat to a cabin, some boating, some fishing. Sounds awesome to me, I think. So what happens next? They're, they're going to go away to this other town and kind of recharge. Verse 11. And when the crowds learned it, they followed them. 
So these weary apostles, they're out doing the work of God and, and they're healing and they're preaching and they, and they want to get away, but the crowds, they continue to follow them. So what does Jesus do? Does he, does he send the crowds away? Nope, nope, we're closed for business. Closed on Sunday. And he welcomed them and spoke to them of the kingdom of God and cured those who had need of healing. Now the day began to wear away and the 12 came and said to him, send the crowd away to go into the surrounding villages and countryside to find lodging and get provisions. For we're here in a desolate place. Now sometimes I think disciples get a bad rap, but honestly they're like, Jesus, we were sent out and we did all this ministry and then we wanted to get away, but the crowds followed us. And so now Jesus has been teaching and he's been healing and he's been pouring out. And the disciples are like, Jesus, we have no food, no lodging. We've got to send them away <laughs> to get them some food. And I'm sure the disciples, too, are getting a little hangry. Because uh, I know that's how I am. So if I'm a little short with you on Sunday afternoon, like at 12 o'clock, it's because I haven't eaten enough. And that's on me. Uh, but I get a little hangry, too, after a day of doing ministry and preaching and praying. That's where the disciples are at. They're like, send the people away. They need to go to Chipotle or, or you know, wherever and get some food. Verse 13. But he said to them, you give them something to eat. Can you imagine being a disciple in this moment? You're following Jesus. And most of the disciples are probably teenagers. Jesus is 30 some at this time. And you see a crowd of, of 5,000 plus. Maybe 10, maybe 15,000 when you include the women and the children. And you're saying, Jesus, these people need something to eat. We've got to send them away. And Jesus, instead of saying, yeah, send them away, his answer is, hey, you guys give them something to eat. Have you ever maybe been reading your Bible or maybe you listen to a worship song or a sermon and you really feel like Jesus was prompting something in your heart that you thought, man, this feels impossible. You ever had one of those moments where you just feel that stirring and you're like, God, there's no way that I could do that. There's no way that I could feed these 5,000 people. In the other gospel accounts, they say, the disciples tell Jesus, man, it would take so much money to feed them all. And we couldn't even go down to Chick-fil-A and get them because, you know, all chicken sandwiches because we don't have enough money. And they said, you know, we, we, we searched and searched and the only food was this little kid's lunch and we took his lunch from him. <laughs> He's got five loaves of bread and two fishes. And so this is, this is all we got. They said, we have no more than five loaves and two fishes. Unless we're going to buy food for all these people, but, you know, this is one of the sarcastic disciples probably. He's like, well, yeah, if we had like a million dollars, we could buy food for, you know, 10 15,000 people, but we don't have that. Verse 14, for there are about 5,000 men. And with the women and children, it's probably 10, 15,000 people. What are we gonna do, Jesus? Man, I've been there so many times where it feels like, Jesus, take care of these people. And Jesus says, hey, you give them something to eat. What? That's where the disciples are in this moment. And he said to his disciples, have them sit in groups, about 50 each. And they did so, and had them all sit down. And taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and said a blessing over them. Then he broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples to set before the crowd. And they all ate and were satisfied. And what was left over was picked up 12 baskets of broken pieces. If you're taking notes this morning, you don't, feel like, you don't have to, but I find it's a way to stay engaged and to learn. If you can hear it and read it and write it down. And number one, we see that provision comes in pieces. The provision comes little by little. Jesus took the bread, he blessed it, he broke it, then he gave it. Does that remind you of another time? On the night before he was betrayed, before he'd gone to the cross, Mark 14, verse 22, it says that as they were eating, he took the bread, and after blessing it, 
He broke it and gave it to them and said, take, this is my body, and took a cup. And when he had given thanks, he gave it to them and they all drank from it. There's a sacramental quality here to what Jesus is doing. Blessed, broken, given, provision, potential, purpose. Earlier we read how Jesus blessed the disciples and then he sent them out and that's when they became apostles. He sent them out with power and authority, power to heal, authority to preach the good news. And then Jesus takes these five loaves and two fishes and then he blesses it. I've learned that provision and blessing doesn't all come at once. You get provision in pieces. You know, when I was a dad of just one kid, it felt like, man, how am I gonna take care of this one kid? And took everything I had to take care of one. And then we added another one. And it's like, I don't have any more parenting skills. And somehow God gives you more grace. And then you add more kids. And the challenges get different and harder as they get older. But God doesn't give us all the grace and the provision that we need for the rest of our lives, but just in pieces. Enough for today. Enough for this week. Enough for this stage. And when Jesus started his ministry at age 30, he, he pieced his team together. See, God didn't send Jesus down with kind of the all-star squad already set up. Jesus had to piece his team together, kind of like a, a piece of Ikea furniture. And he didn't draft the people that you think would be the natural choice. In Jesus' day, there were these religious people called the Pharisees, and they were studying God's word, and, and they memorized a lot of the Old Testament. And they loved God and wanted to follow him, but the Pharisees really had lost sight of what was important to to do justice, to love mercy, to walk humbly. And they kept making more and more rules and they lost sight of the big picture. What I love is that when Jesus drafts his team, he doesn't draft the cool kids who have it all together. Jesus is gonna use broken pieces to piece his team together. I love that Jesus uses broken people to build his team and to build his squad. A lot of people ask, you know, why the name Mosaic Church? Well, mosaic is it's a piece of art where an artist takes broken pieces of clay and pottery and they put it together to form this work of art. And that's what we believe God has called us to do. And we say, hey, none of us have it all put together, whether we're on stage, whether we're out there, whether we're serving our kids. We all have a little brokenness. But Jesus takes these broken pieces and he puts them together. Some of you, I think, you can identify with those broken people that Jesus used. Maybe you're Maybe you're sitting there and you're too familiar with all your troubles to see the talent that you have. Like Jesus wants to draft you onto his team. That Jesus is saying, come be a part of something. And here at Mosaic, we're, we're putting our team together. We want you to be a part of what God's doing. That's why last Sunday we didn't do service here. We want to be the church. We're going to do this more. And I love hearing the stories of those who are like, okay, well, I can go door to door, but I'm not going to talk to anyone. And then... You slowly you get a little more grace, a little more courage, and you're able to talk with someone. Maybe you could pray with someone. Or those who went to the villas in Osseo, the nursing home, it's like, well, I'm just going to be there. Well, I'm not going to pray with them. I'm not going to talk to anyone. And then God gives you more courage, more strength. We have people who come to this church. When they first came, there's no way they would ever be down front praying with people. And now that's what they're doing. And so you don't have to have it all together. You don't have to have the whole big picture of what your life's gonna look like. But Jesus says, hey, I'm gonna give you provision just in pieces, just for this next step. Provision comes in pieces. 
Thousands of people had come to hear Jesus teach and to, to receive his ministry. After a whole day of church, man, they're hungry. And so Jesus took this bread and he, and he broke it. He blessed it and he gave it. And each of those disciples, all 12 of them, left with a big doggy bag filled with pieces of bread and fish. I think that's a, a picture for them. Literally, they have this bag filled with pieces and say that their provision's gonna come in pieces, little bit by little bit. Second thing we wanna see is that our purpose is revealed in pieces. Our purpose is revealed in pieces. What did Jesus do after he blessed the bread and fish? He broke it. The disciples don't know in this moment, but Jesus is heading towards the cross. He's telling them, soon I'm going to die. And when Jesus dies on that cross, all the hopes and dreams of the disciples died with it. And they scattered and they fled. They were broken in that moment. And Jesus does the impossible. And he rises from the dead. And their faith is renewed and rekindled. And see, there's always brokenness before realizing your purpose. There's always brokenness before realizing your purpose. Joseph, in the Old Testament, he was thrown into a pit. He was falsely accused, thrown into prison, and then he saves the world from famine. Moses murders a man, runs for his life, 40 years in the desert, watching his father-in-law's smelly sheep and liberates millions of people from slavery. David, anointed king, would spend 20 years running for his life before finally getting the chance to be one of the greatest kings the world has ever seen. And even then, rapes a woman, kills her husband. But then his heart is tender towards God, and God's able to use those broken pieces to make a difference. Peter, we're gonna see after this, he's gonna deny Jesus, but he even knows him, he's gonna run away. When Jesus had his worst moment, getting beaten and flogged, but then Peter gets empowered by the Holy Spirit after the risen Jesus meets with him, and he's gonna become one of the leaders of the early church He's gonna preach and 3,000 people are gonna give their lives to Christ. And what we see is that brokenness always precedes our purpose. If you're in a season of brokenness, of pain, I don't believe God is causing that brokenness and pain in your life, but God will use it to reveal his purpose in your life, to make a difference in this world. There's always brokenness. We all go through hardship and pain before we see the purpose that God has for us. I think, too, that God allows us to experience brokenness oftentimes so that we can connect with others. I was thinking about Legos a lot this week. I love Legos. I think growing up, building Legos did prepare me a little bit to put together furniture. But Legos are these pieces that by itself is kind of worthless. You know, if you see a Lego piece on the ground and you're a parent, it's the middle of the night and you step on it, like, that hurts a lot, right? And my first reaction is, like, throw that piece away because it's not meant to be by itself, but I don't throw it away. My wife sometimes does, but I don't. Uh, but Legos are meant to be connected with other pieces. And I believe in the same way we are not meant to do life alone, but we are meant to be connected to others. And see, our brokenness allows us to connect with others. Like Legos, we're meant to be connected with others. Last Sunday night, I was able to gather with, with five couples from our church, we're all in different stages of, of infertility and this desire to have a child. And right now they're waiting and praying for it to happen. And see, their brokenness allowed them to connect with each other. To say, hey, I'm not alone in this like I thought I was. 
uh, yesterday morning, a group of us kind of entrepreneurs, small business owners got together for breakfast. Again, just to say, hey, it's hard balancing this whole work and, and family dynamic and, and knowing as an entrepreneur, as a small business owner, when to take a step of faith and, and when to, to, to not and to hold steady. And, and that uncertainty allows us to connect with each other. See, people, they might admire us for our strengths, but they're gonna connect with us in our weaknesses. This is why small groups are important. This is why it's important to get together on a regular basis for dinner or breakfast or something. We all need people in our lives that we can connect to. That's the way God designed us to be. And when we can share our brokenness, when we can share our weaknesses and not pretend like we have it all together, and here at Mosaic, we want us to never feel like we have to pretend or put on this happy face that we have it all, everything is perfect. Instead, we say, hey, we're all broken. We all have different areas of brokenness, but we can connect in our brokenness and we can connect to Jesus in there. And number three, there's potential in those pieces. Jesus took those five loaves of bread and then he broke it apart. Can you imagine what the disciples are thinking that moment? I thought about the story, you know, a lot over the years, and I never thought much about that, like, they hand the bread to Jesus, and they're like, what's he going to do? And then Jesus broke it, and it's like, Jesus, how is this going to help? <laughs> you know, like, is everyone going to get just a tiny little, you know, bite of, of communion or something? Like, this, this is how is this going to help? But little did they know how much potential was in those broken pieces. Little did they know how much potential was in those broken pieces, Potential to feed, potential to satisfy hunger, potential to overflow with blessing. But that potential wasn't realized until Jesus gave it away. See, first we are blessed, then we are broken, then our lives are given away for the benefit of the world. Maybe today you feel like your life's in pieces. Maybe you've experienced heartache and brokenness. God wants you to know there's so much potential in those pieces, that there is purpose in your pieces. Like the disciples, you're gonna see your purpose in pieces, step by step by step. We're blessed, we're broken, and we're given to the world. Just like Jesus did with that bread and, the, and that fish. Provision, potential, purpose. Jesus blessed the disciples. They were broken, then he gave them to the world to bring blessing to a broken world. Well, here, again, this month, we've been talking about giving, of serving, of loving. Last week, we, we served our community. Next week, we're going to talk about loving. And this week, I want to talk, just as we wrap up, just about giving. And this is a topic that a lot of pastors don't love to talk about. I don't either. Um, but we're going to talk a little bit about generosity and, and what do we do? How do we become the people that God wants us to be? And how do we use the little pieces that we have in our lives and what does it mean that God has blessed us, that a lot of us have experienced brokenness, and now we're given to the world? So how do we grow in generosity? Well, I think there's ways to do that. We, we give our time. And last week, a lot of us did that. We, we, we use our talents to serve others. One of the coolest things I thought about last week was Matt, who's up here helping lead worship. Uh, Matt's a phenomenal artist. And it was so cool to see the pictures that Matt made of some of these cards that we made for kids who are in um, long-term cancer care. And, and if you've ever seen Matt's art, he drew these phenomenal uh, uh, comic book characters, Spider-Man and Captain Marvel. I thought, how cool is it that Matt's able to generously use his talents? And some kid's going to get that card and be like, whoa, this is amazing, like a hand-drawn Spider-Man. 
you know, that, that Tim and Linda were able to use their gifts uh, to lead people into uh, connecting with God through music. That Brian last week shared his talents and his time of bringing the word of God. And so we, we give our time, we give our, our talents, but we also want to trust God with the tithe. And so we're going to talk about this a little bit. What does that tithe mean? Well, it comes from a Hebrew word, maser. It means one-tenth. It's one-tenth of all that we received. And how do we grow in generosity? How do we take these pieces and say, okay, God, we've been blessed for the benefit of the world, so what does that mean? Well, number one, we're going to trust God with the tithe. Leviticus 27, verse 30 says this, Every tithe of the land, whether of the seed of the land or the fruit of the trees, is the Lord's. It is holy to the Lord's. What this is saying here is that the first 10% belongs to God. That if I get $100, the first 10%, the first $10 isn't technically mine. It belongs to God. And then I return that to him as an act of worship. Now, if you're newer to church or this, that sounds absolutely crazy, and it is. What do you mean that the first $10, the first 10% goes to God? Well, here's what he says in Malachi 3, verse 10. God says, bring the full tithe, the 10%, into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. And thereby put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there's no more need. Malachi says, bring the full 10, the 10%, into the storehouse. That's a picture of the local church, that there may be food in my house. What are you receiving here, hopefully every Sunday morning? What are your kids receiving in kids' ministry? They're not just being babysat, but they're receiving, hopefully, spiritual food. This is the storehouse. You're being nourished and strengthened in the things of God. Your children are being strengthened and taught the things of God. You're learning to follow Jesus and be filled with the power and the presence of Jesus. And so God says, bring, bring that tithe to the storehouse. There may be food in there. There may be ministry can happen. Here's what I personally believe. I believe that your first 10% of your tithe goes to the local church. And I know that's, a lot of people disagree with that, but that's what I believe. And I believe that God calls us to generously give to organizations like World Vision, Compassion, to missionaries, over and above our 10%, and that's generosity. But the first 10% belongs to the local church, to the storehouse. And God says, put me to the test. This is the only place in scripture where we are allowed to test God. And God says, test me in this and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not room enough to store it. Test me in this. Why does God give us permission to test him in this? This is the only place. I don't know for sure, but I think because God knew this is gonna freak us out. What, what do you mean, God, that you want me to give 10% back to you? Are you serious, God? God is asking us to give him our first and our best and then to trust him with the rest. For all of our marriage, Chris and I, uh, I I've been working at a church and, and she's been working and, and we've never had tons of money or wealth or resources, but from day one, we said, you know what? We're just gonna, 10% goes to the local church. And, and even when times are tough, even when I lost my job, continue to trust God with that. And over and over, God would bless us in unique ways. People would donate winter coats for our kids or unexpected check would show up in the mail. And I know so many of you, in the same way, you have those stories where you've trusted God by giving generously back to him, the first 10%, and then you've seen God pour out blessings in your life. Now, this isn't some kind of like magic formula that, hey, you want $100, so you give 10 to God, so he's gonna give you 100. That's not how it works. 
It's instead saying, you know what? All of this belongs to God. My time, my talent, my ability to make money. And so I'm gonna say that that first 10%, I'm gonna give it back to you as a way of acknowledging that everything I have is a gift from God. I really believe that God can do more with 90% that's blessed by him than I can do with 100% that's on my own. That first 10% we see goes back to God. Well, if that is something that you've never heard before or just you disagree with, I wanna encourage you to, to, to try it out. To, you know, these next like three months, practice tithing to God to say, hey, what is it that we are making as a couple? What would that first 10% look like to give to him? Now, if again, that sounds like just absolutely crazy, I wanna encourage you to think of, talk to your spouse if, if you're married and come up with a percentage. If you can't do 10, can you do five? Can you do 1%? As an act of regular, sacrificial giving to say, okay, God, I'm gonna trust you in this. Maybe you've never given, and so maybe it's, it's taking that first step of faith to say, okay, God, I wanna trust you that all that I have in my hands has been given to me by you, and so now I'm gonna give some of it back to you. Because when we give, that helps break the chains of greed and consumption in our lives. We talked two weeks ago about the consumption assumption that everything that comes into our hands when we assume it's for us or for our family to use. Instead, looking at life to say, okay, God, you've given me all these resources, this time, these children, these talents, these financial blessings. What do you want me to do with it? And to say, how can I be a blessing? How can I show generosity? So first, we're gonna trust God with the tithe. Number two, we're gonna plan your generosity. Have you ever wanted something really badly? Uh, you know, about 10 years ago, I remember when flat screens were a new thing. I wanted a flat screen TV because uh, I had, you know, an old tube TV. And so I we used to teach guitar lessons on the side, and I saved all my guitar teaching money, and I was going to buy my very first flat screen TV. And you better believe, man, I researched TVs left and right and talked to all these different people. What's the best one? And I decided I wanted a plasma in my basement because I had dark light, and that was the best one. And so often I think when we want something really badly, like we research it and, and we invest our time and we figure it out. Well, what if we said, how can we plan to give more? How can we plan to be more generous with our time, with our talents, with our finances? What would that look like? How can we manage, rearrange our lives so that we can be a blessing to even more people? In fact, Isaiah 32 verse eight says that's exactly what generous people do. Isaiah 32 eight says, but generous people plan to do what is generous. And they stand firm in their generosity. Generous people do what? They, they plan. It's not accidental or incidental. It's intentional. You have to plan to be generous. You need a plan. What's your plan to support your local church? What's your plan to be generous? What's your plan to partner together to serve? Maybe on the greeting team, or on the worship team, in the kids' ministry team. Do you have time on your calendar blocked off to say, okay, you know what? The first Sunday of every month, I'm gonna serve back in kids' ministry. Or the third Sunday, and then you block that off on your calendar. Because if we don't plan on how to give our time, our, our treasure, our talents away, we will just consume everything in our hands. Our calendar will be filled up. Our, our budget will be filled up. So generous people, what do they do? They plan. Do you have a plan on how you're going to give back to God? How are you gonna be generous? Do you have a night of the week? where you have planned to say, hey, this is the night that as a family we're able to have someone over. 
Or we have built-in margin that when someone has a baby, I can go bring them a meal. Or I, I can go meet with someone. Or is your, is your calendar filled up with activities and things uh, just for your own family and yourself? If we don't plan it out, it won't happen. So we have to plan our generosity. We have to plan time to, to love, to serve, to give. And here's the truth. We automate what is important. Reoccurring calendar appointments. We automate our bills. I want to encourage you to think about that. To block off reoccurring calendar on, on how, when are you going to serve. To go onto our church app and say, you know what, okay, we're going to regularly and faithfully give. That's what we ask our partners to do on a regular basis, to give a percentage uh, of, of what God has given you back so that we can do ministry. And honestly, just talking, just nuts and bolts, that helps us budget. It also helps us look at what is coming in and saying, okay, can we hire a youth pastor? Yes or no? You know, what can we do with kind of ministry? How, what can we do with the students? You know, when someone comes to us in need, are we able to, to pay their heating bill or, or no because we don't have that finances? And when our partners, when, when those who are gathered and say, hey, we're gonna be part of what God is doing, when you give on a regular, faithful, consistent way, that just helps us know what resources we have so we can plan our generosity. I wanna encourage you to think about that. How are you gonna plan your generosity? We automate what is important. And number three, start by being generous now. Start by being generous now. We're gonna simply start by being generous right now. We're not gonna wait till we get out of debt to be a blessing. We're gonna be a blessing along the way and say, how can we bless others? And finally, in 1 verse 6, Paul writes this, and I'm praying that you will put into action the generosity that comes from your faith as you understand and experience all the good things we have in Christ, that you will put into action the generosity that comes from your faith. What are you gonna take? What's your next step? I wanna encourage you to write that down. Make a note on your phone. What's my next step on how to plan how I'm gonna, I'm gonna love more, how I'm gonna serve more, how am I gonna give more? Do you have a plan on how you're gonna support your local church? Do you have a plan on how you're gonna give away your time? Do you have a, do you have a plan in your calendar and how you're gonna love people, have time to invest in relationships? What's your next step? Our only reasonable response to God who gave us so much, who gave us his son, is to give our lives back to him. To say, God, it's all in your hands. We're gonna give our first 10% back to you. We trust God with the first and best. We believe that he's gonna bless the rest. We plan to be generous. We start now. Because of all that God has done for us, our only response is to, is to give praises back to him, to, to bless again. Here's the thing. When you give, you will be a blessing. When you give to your local church, we're able to do ministry. When you give and support a missionary overseas, they're able to spread the gospel. When you give and support a compassion or a world vision child, they're able to have food and education. When you give, you will be a blessing. But also when you give, you will be blessed. God does something in our hearts because we're designed to, to be generous, to give away. And I encourage you, try it. You'll be so blessed as you, as you give away. You, you're gonna regret money you misspent, but you're never gonna regret money that you give away for a purpose, to make a difference in this world. And why do we wanna be generous with our time, our talents, and our treasures? Because I believe that local church, that Jesus is the hope of the world. I believe that what we're doing here matters. I believe that it matters to get people together who are struggling with infertility and say, hey, you're not alone in this. I believe it matters 
to go into a nursing home and look at people and say, you have value, you have worth, you have dignity, you can have hope. I believe it matters to make kids, cards for kids who are in the hospital. I believe it matters that tonight when our teenagers are gonna gather at Osseo Community Center two locks away and our, our, our young adults, many of them are gonna pour and invest in those relationships and say that, hey, you matter, teenager. You're not alone. I believe that what we do matters. And that's why we're here, church, is to make a difference to love, to serve, to give. My desire is that our church, that the church stops being known what we're against and starts being known as a generous force for good, that we are here for good to make a difference. I would love that if people in our community would say, you know what, I don't believe everything they believe, but I'm sure glad they're here because they make a difference in this community. Mosaic Church, because they're here, older people find hope and have some community. And because they're here, teenagers that otherwise would be getting into trouble have mentors in their life. And because they're here, the teachers at Asia Senior High get blessed. But we need your help to do it. Here's the deal. We're, we're four years old. And, and as we moved here to our fourth building in four years, we've said this is kind of Mosaic 2.0. And this has in a lot of ways been a relaunch. We said, hey, we need your help to partner with us. And we've got a lot of bugs. We're figuring things out. And we thank, thank you for the grace as we figure out just all the, all the details. But I really hope that we can set aside some of those details, some of those little things, our own personal preferences, and say, you know what, though? Man, we get, we get to do this together. We get to say, hey, we're here for good. We're here to make a difference. If you're, you're at Mosaic, maybe you got one foot in, one foot out. I wanna encourage you to think about planting deep roots to partner with us at least through now to the end of May. Let's give it a chance. Let's, let's try this and say, what kind of difference can we make here in this community? I wanna encourage you, can you make a bigger difference here at this church than go sit in a, a, a larger, bigger church that maybe doesn't need you? But right now, we need you. We need you. We need you so that we can make a difference. I believe that you will never regret the time that you spend giving and serving others, that you won't regret giving your money to support a cause that is making a difference. Would you stand with me? I'm gonna invite the band to come up. As we studied the book of Acts, we saw the local church gathered together and there was not a need among them and the outcome of that was that many Pharisees, many people far from God turned their hearts to Jesus. And we see that extraordinary generosity is extraordinarily powerful. How as a church can we be more and more generous? I wanna encourage you to be generous and see what God can do through you. Over these next several months, be generous and see what God will do through you as you give your time, as you give your love, as you give your finances back to him. I'm going to pray and then we're going to receive our offering in just a minute. God, I thank you that you are here with us. God, I thank you that you loved us so much, God, that you are generous. God, that um, you gave us your son, Jesus. God, that you gave us breath in our lungs, the ability to work, 
to, to generate wealth. And, and God, we just wanna turn all that back to you as a way of saying thank you. So Lord, I pray that each and every one of us, that myself, that everyone in here, God, we would just say, how can we be more generous? How can we be more generous with, with our love? Who are those people in our life, God, that, that maybe we feel like don't deserve love, but we wanna show love to them? God, that we can be more generous with the finances that you've put uh, to, for us to steward. God, with our time. God, that we wouldn't fill up our calendar so much with just what's, what's uh, for our own selves, but God, that we would be intentional about having time to give away to others, to serve, so that we can make a difference. Because there are so many hurting people in this world. But God, we know that you're not gonna waste those hurts. So Lord, help us to realize our potential, to see our purpose, to trust you. And then God, send us out to make a difference. In your name we pray, amen. Well, again, thank you for those who do support our church. Uh, we don't love talking about money, but man, money is a huge thing in all our lives. And the reality is we don't get supported by some other denomination or other churches. The people in this room support us as a church. You allow me to be a pastor. So thank you for that. You allow us as a church to go in and, and like we did last week, to serve our city, to let Josh be a part-time youth pastor as he DJs in the evenings and weddings so that he can invest in teenagers' lives on Sunday nights. Thank you for your generosity to do that. We're gonna receive an offering and, and those who are regular attenders, how you can give, you can also give on our app or anytime. Um, we're gonna go out for singing as we sing this next song. May you know that you've been blessed. Maybe you're going through some brokenness. But God's gonna use that and gonna use you to make a difference. So go out and generous and love and serve and give. Let's, let's go out of here singing.